This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 9th, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. The stimulus plan passed in the wee hours of the Obama administration is generating all sorts of data, some of it good, some of it terrible. But bad data begets better data, at least over time. Jerry Brito is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. He is co-creator of StimulusWatch.org. We spoke last week. So the idea for Stimulus Watch happened uh, before the stimulus was actually passed, and this was back in uh, October, November uh, of last year when the Congress and the president you know, were pretty sure that they were going to pass a stimulus, but there was actually consternation that there wouldn't be enough projects that would be uh, physically uh, available to spend all the money that they wanted to spend. There wouldn't be enough shovel-ready projects. And so the U.S. Conference of Mayors, uh, which represents all the localities in the country who would be getting the money, uh, said, of course, no, 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 we've got all the projects, you know, lined up if only we had the money. And so they very helpfully um, surveyed all the localities and created a report that had all the projects that they would do if they had the money, and they published this. So this was a great opportunity for us. We took it, all those projects, uh, um, hundreds, or not hundreds, uh, tens of thousands of projects, and we put them online in a database that made it very easy for citizens to go online, type in their neighborhood, find the projects, the proposed projects in their neighborhood, and do three things when they found the project they could vote on it. And they could say, the question was, is this project critical, yes or no? Because the president had promised that we would only be spending money on critical projects. Number two, they could, uh, there was a wiki attached to every project because the descriptions of these projects were very meager. Uh, so citizens were, were told, hey, if you know something about this project, if you have local knowledge about this project in your neighborhood, t- describe it, tell us something about it. And that was meant for factual information to be put there. And then lastly, uh, there was a, co- a comment section where folks could debate and discuss the project. And that was, that's the area for more of the freewheeling conversation. And we had a great response. We had um, about 4 million uh, visitors, about 3 million in the first uh, two months the site was up. And uh, the, the impact was fantastic because once you had the voting happen, you get a crowdsourcing effect where you can then sort from most favored to least favored projects within the whole country, within a state, within a city. Um, and that was uh, what, we, what we wanted to do. Um, then the stimulus passed. Um, and it passed with provisions uh, promised by the president and the Congress that, that said that once um, the money started going out the door, that they would transparently report where all that money was going. And what we've done with Stimulus Watch 2.0, which we've just launched, is take all of the actual spending and do the same thing. We've put it online so you can go to our site, stimuluswatch.org, and type in your zip code or just drill down to a state or a city or type in a company name. There are millions of ways of getting at the information. See what projects are around you actually happening. See how much money is being spent on them. See how many jobs are being claimed. And then again, you can vote on whether you're satisfied or not with those projects. Um, you can add to the wiki, add a description if you know something about that project. And finally, you can have discussion around that project. The quality of the data released uh, by the government and provided to them by localities and people who received uh, any amount of stimulus funds, some of it was quite bad. And it was red meat for a lot of conservatives who wanted to say, oh, look at this, a district in Ohio that doesn't exist received uh, so much money. How do you think about that? Well, I mean, in, in some ways, it, it, was, it was bound to happen. It was, it was expected in a way. Um, because what you have to understand about the, about the data is that it's self-reported. The way it works is, is that there's an obligation uh, that anybody who receives stimulus dollars has to file a report with the federal government saying how much money they got, what they used it for, uh, et cetera, what, what, what their addresses, what congressional district they're in, et cetera. Um, and the problem is, is that um, a lot of these folks either uh, are not very sophisticated or don't want to comply. 
And so uh, what you get is this sort of erroneous data. Somebody um, may not know what congressional district they're in, but yet they're being asked that information. Um, and so that's where these errors come from. It's not that the money is, is, is trying to be channeled to some phantom district to hide something. That's not the case. It's just a simple matter of if you ask, and, and uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's uh, over 50,000 recipients, um, probably close to six or 70,000 recipients of grants or contracts. Um, loans is a whole other uh, issue, which would double the amount. Um, you're asking them all sorts of questions that they may not know the answers to or may not be sophisticated enough to know. Um, and that complicates. And the other part of it is it's asking questions that can't really be answered. So how many jobs were created or saved? And there's no guideline for how to estimate that. Um, so it's, it's, you know, Joe's plumbing supply gets a contract. Uh, they have to fill this out. They don't know what congressional district they're in, and they're totally guesstimating how many jobs uh, they created or saved. There are famously, in fact, no ways to properly account for jobs that have been saved or created. Right. But at the very least, if there was some, some sort of guideline, uh, it would be consistent across. Um, but there, there isn't even that. And so what you end up with are thousands of uh, awards that have uh, that account for like a billion dollars in, in outlays that have no jobs attached to them. And you also have thousands of, uh, uh, of awards that are reported as zero-dollar awards that have thousands of jobs associated with them. So you have really strange things. But the beauty of it is, is, and I'm sorry to interrupt, the beauty of it is um, with this crowdsourcing, you can come to our site, and if you know that there's an error here, you can make that, uh, make that there, make, make that change there. And while this won't have any direct impact on the official reports, these reports are going to happen on a quarterly basis. And on a quarterly basis, these recipients are going to have the opportunity to uh, amend their previous reports and correct them. So if enough attention is brought to uh, the, these mistakes, we can, we can hopefully get some change there. So in some sense, we have bad data begetting better data. Hopefully, right, with the, through the crowdsourcing. At the very least, we'll get attention to the bad data, which hopefully will have some impact. Why isn't the government doing anything to hold recipients accountable for the quality of the data that they're providing? I mean, this is hundreds of billions of dollars. So the agency uh, or the body that's in charge of the, re the recovery reporting is the Recovery Accountability and Transparency Board, which is headed by Earl Devaney, who uh, is a former Secret Service agent and uh, used to be the um, Inspector General um, of Interior. And he's a very serious man. And what he has said is, while there is a requirement um, that the recipients report, the Recovery Act, as it's written, has no penalties for incorrect or false information. So um, there's nothing he can do. And there's no requirement for him or any other body of the government to go and correct the information. Um, so when you have this bad data, his answer to Congress is, look, there is no legislation that allows me to prosecute or, or otherwise hold these folks accountable, and there's nothing requiring me to fix it. So actually at the Mercatus Center at George Mason, we're engaging in a project where um, we're doing a lot of uh, different analysis with this, with this uh, recovery data. And one thing we're doing is, although, the, for example, the um, congressional district numbers may be wrong, every, pro every award has an address and a zip code attached to it. So we're going back and using those zip codes to fix the congressional district so that when we uh, analyze the data, we're going to actually have every award fitting to a correct congressional district. The report that we're going to put out at the, at the Mercatus Center, hopefully what we're trying to do is take um, all of the recovery uh, award data and mash that up with um, congressional political data. Uh, with uh, So, for example, what party 
uh, so what district uh, uh, was represented by what party, um, tenure of the uh, person representing that district, uh, per capita, income, unemployment, et cetera. So we'll be able to answer questions like, um, which districts got more money, Republican districts or, or Democratic districts? Um, did leadership districts uh, on average get more or less money than the average non-leadership district? Um, did marginal districts do any differently? Uh, how much um, did uh, a job cost on average, a uh, job claimed, uh, et cetera? So these are all very interesting questions that we hope to, to be able to answer very soon. Jerry Brito is co-creator of StimulusWatch.org. He is a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. You can read more on government transparency and the trouble with government data at Cato.org.